Welcome on a very special guest. She's a singer-songwriter. It is Jesse Alexander. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. How are you doing over there, Chris? Hey, I'm doing great, my man. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jesse. It's uh, really excited to have you on. Aw, thanks. Yeah, I guess we'll just start out with the last album you just released, Decatur County Red, which was a fabulous piece of art. There's so many good songs on there. I think like, I think my favorite, even though I'm not a mom, was Mama Drain. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel good that yeah. even a dude likes it. Yeah. I mean, because I guess you can connect on it both ways, like being the kid, as you yeah. talked about in the song, but then also being the mom. And it's just, it's a funny and like true song. And I'm just curious to hear more about it from you. Yeah. Awesome. I'd love to. It's funny. This whole record is a bunch of song ideas. So I write mainly for artists. You know, it's my, Mm -hmm. my day job is to try to get on Blake Shelton's new record or Tim McGraw's new record. And I spend, you know, 99.9% of my life doing that. But every now and then there's song ideas that will just kind of come through my brain. And I'll be honest, I've kind of dismissed them over the years because I don't really write female songs. And um, mm-hmm. when song idea like that came around probably 10 years ago, I mean, I when my first kid, you know, I, I, I remember thinking, why even write this? You know, it's who's going to ever cut it. But it's one of those ideas that kept haunting me. And as a lot of the songs on this record, they just haunted me. You know, they just kept coming back up, especially the title cut to Cater County Red. Um, Mama Drink, I like to say that I had to live it. Like if I tried to write it 10 years ago, it would have been a different song. Like mm-hmm. I had to live, like that whole song is so autobiographical that I had to live those moments and, you know, to have the experience. And also it's hard when you're making a record like this and it's all kind of to myself. I didn't know if, know if it was any good. Like it's very intimidating to try to write for myself because I'm so used to writing for other people. But I really tried to put my mind in all my mom friends and like, would they say this? Like, would they get it? And really wanted to represent the working mom. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think you did a good job of that too. I mean, Thank it, you. as Troy was saying, it just hits at like all different levels. I mean, we all have mamas out there. So it's just yeah, funny to think through like their perspective, if you will, a little bit yeah. more. Makes, it makes us appreciate it. Especially through COVID. <laughs> oh God, more than ever. More yeah, than who ever. knew that song would be like even more like relevant yeah so yeah <laughs> brings a whole new meeting you mentioned 10 years ago and that now just in this year alone I feel like we're living like five years in one year it's it's crazy Literally, yes I feel like my last hurrah I guess what you'd call it in New York which was my press kind of setup for this record I went to New York for a bunch of great press and who knew that would be my last flight my last time to play on stage, my last nice restaurant, you know, just, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that it would be, that would be it. 
for, for the foreseeable future. You just can't, yeah. it's like to put it in like to fathom, like when, I mean, we just, I guess had like Brad Paisley and I think Darius just put on those like drive-in yeah. shows, which was cool to see. So hopefully we can get more of those type of concerts moving forward, but I would love that. That'd be oh, really yeah. That'd be a blast. Uh, I wanted to, to touch on a, another song from that album that I really liked. Uh, Troy too. I, we talked about it a little bit before. It's like damn country music. Can't Ooh. get, can't get much better than that right there. Oh, uh, so tell us a little bit about that one. Obviously it sounds like this is just a compilation of just like a lot of thoughts and ideas that have accumulated over the time. So I'd just love to hear from your perspective. Absolutely. That's um, a song that I wrote with Josh Thompson and Carrie Barlow, two really good friends of mine. And, we wrote that song for Tim McGraw. I mean, ra- rarely do you write a song for an artist and they actually are the ones to cut it. A lot of times we'll write a song thinking it's for Tim McGraw and so-and-so, some other person cuts it. So it was uh, huge for us when Tim recorded that song and then made it the title track of his album. So I don't know how many records ago that was, but when it came time for me to make this record, I'd already been playing that song live whenever I do songwriter shows and just to hear me songwriter sing it, I would have people come up to me and just, they, it was just a different voice, you know, it's just the, the songwriter sings it. And I just couldn't imagine making this record without, oh, the whole record is kind of a love letter, love, hate letter, I guess. To, yeah, as you say, there's some hate in there. <laughs> yeah. To Nashville country music, the roller coaster ride of, of it all. And then it's also got a lot of the coming of age, middle age, you know, story and stuff. So it's kind of two characters. And so I really love the production of that, the damn country music. And, um, it's really just, obviously you can tell a special, special song for me. Oh yeah. It's kind of cool to see like too, cause I feel like there's so many times where you hear different artists play like the song. So say it's like you, for example, played damn country music. It's different when you, it, lyrically it's the same, but it's different when you hear it from like your perspective versus like Tim's perspective. Cause you almost like sing it and kind of put more emphasis in certain parts of the song that relate yeah. more to you versus where Tim sings, it might be more in like the second melody or second verse where he's coming in. And yeah. It's a little bit different. So I don't, from a fan's perspective, that's how I take it. So I don't know if you, if you guys true. think. And it's like, I've lived all those words and still Mm -hmm. live all those words. And, um, as he does, like even a line, like packed it all on a whim, you know, through an old Hank cassette tape in daddy, 84 beat up Mm -hmm. Ford. thought we'd never make it. I mean, that is so many people's story that moved to Nashville. Like so many people quit a job. I mean, I quit college. I I was in college for four years and quit before I even agree. Um, drove here with absolutely no idea. I thought I was going to be a backup singer. That's what I had been doing in like college bands. So you just never know like what the road's going to be and all the ups and downs and the highs and lows. And I mean, my co-writers definitely, they had their own interpretation of it. So that's what I love about a country song that tells their, your own story. You know, it's universal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just kind of curious because like you said earlier, you know, 99.9% of the time you're writing for other artists. What kind of really inspired you making this record and, you know, coming out and doing it? Oh, man. I like to steal from a a great Guy Clark song that my husband, John Randall and and him and Gary Nichols 
Nicholson wrote called some days you write the song, some days the songs write you. And I feel like that with this album, it's like, I didn't really write it. It wrote me like I, I can't even explain like how I would be kind of haunted by these song ideas. And in my daytime, like day off, you know, I, or, you know, I could put the kids on the bus and literally sat down and wrote lonely out of me, which is, yeah, I never even really play piano, but it just was there. Or um, Decatur County Red, like us, that's a song idea that I've had for years, um, kind of wanting to pay homage to where I'm from and the people that I was raised around. So I don't know. I still, you know, part of, of course I've asked myself a million times, like, why am I, why am I doing this? Why, what is it? I just think that if you looked at my whole life, not just in Nashville, but as a child, like I've always been really just creative, whether it be learning how to paint, how to woodwork with my granddaddy, how to craft, how to knit. I mean, just so like, whatever, this is just another extension of the person that I am, which is someone that's just highly creative and has to just do stuff, you know? And so I think that that's kind of the main reason behind it, but I'm still asking myself that every day. Why did I do this? <laughs> Especially in it come out over COVID, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you did, didn't probably foresee that one. That was bad probably timing. just a, yeah, bad yeah. time. And call it. But if anything, we all have more time to listen to the music now and enjoy yeah. it. So. And I also like really wanted to give country music, people that are really country music fans, traditional country music fans, I wanted to give them something too. As a country music lover, you know, I just seek out those types of records. So they were kind of in my mindset too. Yeah. I mean, you can just, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it just is like one of those things where it's almost like we could have almost assumed that, but it's also one of those things where it's just like you look at it and you hear it from you and it's just a lot different and more unique in, in its own regard. I mean, you've worked with so many artists now and to be able to kind of like put your own name in the hat of like where your music and where your sound comes from, it's really cool to, to see from a fan's perspective of like your other music of what, what, what you can do on your level. Thank you. Yeah. Writers, we get kind of lost in the background. We get kind of lost in the back of the song, and you don't, you know. I, I hope that at the end of it, people are like, "Wow!" So she wrote like the way I talk, all the way to the climb. To right. like, I want diversity um, as far as like, I want to touch all kinds of spots in country music. But uh, this was a fun way to get to like pinpoint a real specific sound and kind of pay homage to the people that that I grew up listening to. Sorry, what was your question going to be? No, you're good. That's exactly what I was kind of like kind of getting into of like where you're kind of being able to pinpoint all these different areas across like your career, like working with artists like, I mean, Thomas Rhett, Tim McGraw, Blake Shelton, Miley Cyrus, like back in the day, like thinking through like all those different like steps to, to go. It, it has been like a climb, no pun intended. It's just to kind of like see how like things have been continuing to build on each other, which is really cool. One song I did want, I'm a big Randy Hauser fan and I, I know you had a cut with him on it with uh, country music made me do it. Uh, oh, yeah. So I wanted, wanted to hear from your side of it about that song. That one's probably like top three on this album of, of that I really like and enjoy. So would love to hear a little bit more. Yeah. So I actually wrote that song with Brothers Osborne. <laughs> we wrote for their last record, Down Home, a song called Down Home. And then, you know, we write periodically for their records and country music made me do it was something that came probably mouth. I remember being a little hungover that morning, uh, <laughs> just probably out 
you know, listening to music or, or it could have been staying up listening to music on sometimes our work, our rowdiest bars, our back porch, you know, cause me and my husband both love country music. <laughs> we might start playing, you know, George Jones leads to Don Williams leads to whoever. And then it's your, you know, you've drank too much and you got to get up with the kids. So I remember walking in the door that day with a hurting head and just saying, well, country music made me do it. Like I have been listening to George Jones. So I remember grabbing the guitar, John Osborne, such an incredible guitar player. And we just started jamming. That's how the, the and it just kind of fell out. Um, so when it came time to put, I put most of the background vocals on this record or my husband, me and pretty much did it ourselves, but it dawned on me that morning, literally this is the day of the studio time that I have blocked. And I just like, gosh, it's just, it'd be so much more fun to have somebody sing that with me or sing harmony. And literally the first person that came to my mind when I thought about like a honky tonk, beer drinking singer was Randy. And I just sang on his Magnolia record. So this is just shows you Nashville and what an incredible community we have. Like literally texted him and I was like, I know you live in Christiana, Tennessee. I know you never come to Nashville. I know your wife is pregnant. I know there's no reason for you to ever do this, but if for some bizarre reason you're on Music Row, will you please come sing on my record? And literally he just wrote what time and where. He's just that guy. And, and that's what we, we all kind of do that for each other. You know, that's the part people don't really realize about country music. I think the outside world is just how much of a family it is, how much we root for each other. And um, he, he just nailed it. Oh yeah. He crushed it. He really did. So I do want to go back a little bit and talk about Down Home. I love this project because like, like we were saying earlier, it's just a different perspective and a different spin on a lot of songs. Like Ryan Hurd kind of did that like a couple weeks ago where he like released some songs that, you know, other people cut that were his. And I just, I love when people do that. And what made you want to do that and release that out and then have those different artists on it too? Yeah, that was a weird time because... I was, I had little, little ones at home. So I have an 11 year old now and then two eight year olds. So the twins were probably three or like two and a half. I mean, they were little. And, um, at that time I was not even considering releasing it the way I've released Decatur County Red because I knew I couldn't do anything anyway, but I was kind of getting tired and restless of every time I sing, like I drive your truck or the climb or those songs at a songwriter show, people are always like, I want your version. You know, they, people just wanted that. And it kind of bummed me to be honest that I didn't have it at at a show that I couldn't give someone a CD that had my interpretations of it. So that is the easiest some most simple way of recording, like literally it's like me and Richard Bennett and my husband at a small studio. And we just put everything down real simple because I wanted it to sound like the way you'd see me at the bluebird. Like how, if you heard me sing, I drive your truck at the bluebird. Like I want you to be able to put that in the CD player and you hear that, but it still didn't feel like it was special enough like that. And that's why I can't remember who the first artist. It's probably Dirks, but, um, he sang on mine would be you. And it kind of gave me the idea of like, maybe if every song I could like shine a spotlight on somebody that's just a buddy, you know, and 
Everyone really came together. I love hearing like Will Hogue, just a really cool thing. Cheryl Crow, because I did a lot of work at her house, uh, some of the backgrounds and stuff. So, but obviously the kind of the highlight is the unknown at the, at the time, he was just a good friend of mine, him and Morgan, but Chris and Morgan Stapleton singing on the climb, which um, it was like right before he was kind of while he was making his record. So it was cool to have him to do that on the climb. Cause I was like, who in the world is going <laughs> to sing the climb with me? I was going to actually ask about that one. Cause yeah. I like saw it was Chris and his wife were like doing that. And obviously I've had the pleasure of seeing him a few times live and he's probably the most unique voice in country music right now. I mean, it's, I just don't yeah. think there's anything else like it. And I thought like the time that this came out, he was probably just coming out with like what Tennessee whiskey and like all those other songs that I mean way before that like we were good family friends our kids are same age I mean they threw our baby shower for our twins like we were just at that time we were just both songwriters he we wrote a lot for together for other artists mm-hmm. I mean he was getting cuts on so many people and we all knew who he was we all knew how amazing he was you know but the world hadn't heard of him yet and uh, I remember them coming over that day and I knew I needed something different for the climb. Like there's no way to really tangle it with like the Miley. I knew my version of singing it so different and I, I didn't want another female. It's like had to be a voice that brought something new to it. And they just obviously crushed it. So I'm very proud of that. Yeah, that's sweet. It's definitely uh, cool to hear all those songs, especially with the different artists and whatnot on it. Yeah. But I guess we'll go into some of the cuts that you have. Cause I mean, obviously the Miley Cyrus song, the climb is just blew up to, I don't even think you had any idea what you were getting yourself into at that one. Cause like, weren't, were you writing at Disney at the time? Yes. Yeah. That was nuts. I mean, you have to really understand like, I was pretty much, in my mind, I thought kind of a has-been washed-up songwriter that had had a record deal, lost the record deal, had publishing deal, lost my publishing deal. I had gone through a lot of trauma, like losing my mom at a young age, um, being an only child, and it was just a terrible time. I mean, you know, like I was pretty much like wanting to quit, I'll be honest. My husband was, he wasn't my husband yet, but he, he had written Whiskey Lullaby, had a huge hit with it for Brad Paisley and Alison Krauss. So I'm looking at my future and thinking, well, he's doing really good. I know that we're going to probably get married and have kids. So I've been beating these streets for nine years and I've got nothing to show for it, but some kind of B, B sides, you know, or hidden tracks on other artists. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was low. I'll just tell you, I, when I wrote that song, I thought it was just like all the hundreds of songs that no one cared about. And, um, I wrote it with another underdog, John Mabe. He had just started writing songs. And when I listened to those lyrics, you know, it really, I know I can remember that time of like being so defeated and watching my peers. This is the big thing. Like going to the BMI awards, going to ASCAP awards, watching all of my peers, the same age as me that, that just were getting all these hits, you know? And I just, mm-hmm. that wasn't my journey. My journey was going to, I was to have to just duke it out and fight for everything I got. But I still just didn't think it would, anything would ever happen. So when they called me about that song and said they wanted to rewrite the script for Hannah Montana, I, I'd, 
I didn't know. First of all, I didn't know who Hannah Montana was. <laughs> I was, you know, grew up writing country, traditional country songs. So it was way out of my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. I can just remember when they thinking they don't understand how this works. Like girls like me don't have these kind of opportunities. Someone in LA is going to take, get this slide, you know, I sound pretty Debbie Downer, but at that time I just really was. And it was just such a God thing. I, I believe that it was just my time, you know, and it took 10 years to the mark of me moving to town for having my first number one. So it was pretty special. That's just not, that's not your typical number one though. Like that, that song's just like, I mean, it's still like, I think at my brother, when he graduated high school, like two years ago, I think that was their graduation song. Like it's still just like an iconic song. And I mean, being a part of that has just got to be something special. It's crazy. Like even just think through like the awareness of like back where you were and kind of like thinking through it. It's almost just like it was accumulation of everything that happened up to that point. And then just kind of releasing that and then building on top of it moving forward. But I mean, they always say Nashville is like a 10 year town. And as much as you don't want to believe it, that's just kind of sometimes the case. Yeah. I mean, you'd think that some just happened, but like it really shows all the persistence and determination and just ups and downs to getting there. And I think it, every, it is funny, like for some people, it's not a 10 year town for some people, it's a move to town and have hits. Like that's, what's so crazy about it is you just never know like what just your fly. journey is going to be. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of our new artists just come their first, their first songs a hit and they're just off the races. But I do feel like for me, it's always been enough. Like I get enough to keep going. You know, it's never like rain down, pour down, never have to work again. It's always just enough to go, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I've been fortunate that I've had songs recorded that really mean something to me. A lot of writers can't say that. For me to have like, I drive your truck, which is like a kind of a dedication to my mom or, you know, mine would be used a lot about my high school sweetheart or, you know, obviously the times, my journey, like that's not, not every day kind of song. So I feel very blessed that I've gotten to be a songwriter that those kind of songs, cause we all write those kind of songs, but a lot of them just aren't ever heard. So I feel lucky. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I definitely agree. I was going to say that too, is just like, a lot of your like big cuts or whatever are like they're feely songs, you know, you really feel something when you're listening to them. So it's really cool. You know, it's not just your drink beer song or whatnot. It's like, it's got some actual like feels to it and everything. Yeah. Which I did want to get into the Lee Bryce song, like I drive your truck. Cause I think that's so special. And I think you can interpret it a lot of different ways. And the truck might be your mom's van or whatnot. But like, I just think that's such a special song and I just wanted to hear more about it from your side. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's cool to kind of have a song where it kind of, it's the first, I haven't, I don't know of a lot of songs that talk about grief in that way. And I'd obviously been dealing with grief for, let's see, by that point, 10 years. So, it took 10 years to write a song like that for me to be 
ready to write a song like that. And when Connie Harrington brought in the idea, I just was like, whoa, this is so special. She actually heard the idea on an NPR show. And it was a father talking about his son who he had lost in Afghanistan. And the interviewer said, so what are you going to do today to honor your son? And he said, I guess I'm just going to go drive his truck. So it came from such an honest place from this guy. And I just, so many gold star families, so many veterans, so many, I mean, I could just go on, we could have a whole show on just, I drive your truck and what it's done for me and my career and, you know, the people, the lives that it's touched, but it obviously is my, it was very, very special to me. It was just definitely one of those songs where it's like, it, it could be relatable in so many different ways, whether it's like you lost somebody or there was something that just happened in your, in your life. And just, a continuation of how do I get through this or how do I cope with it? And it's just so powerful to hear in music form because in, in a lot of regards, music is therapy. 100. And think about like all the, for a guy, uh, that's what I loved is like thinking like a real simple man, like what would he say? Like he just drive his truck. Up. You know, he would like, it's like almost like that perfect simplicity for how a guy would deal with grief, you know? And I just kind of stole from my own life with the flag and stone line where it says, you know, uh, mom asked me this morning, why I haven't been by your grave? Well, that flag and stone ain't where, where I feel you anyway. And I kind of, I didn't go to my mom's grave for, for years. And I remember my stepdad thinking that was kind of odd. And I even kind of thought it was odd, but it just didn't feel like where I should go. I didn't feel her there. So, um, so many people have talked about that particular line and I think that it just goes to show you, and it, I'm saying it to myself, like it's just proof that for me, if I can just write my own truth and my own stories, somehow they tend to be manifested and, and out into the world and go into other people's hearts that feel the same way. Like I have like this beeline to other people. I don't know if y'all know the song, Dad's Old Number that was on Cole's Swindell's last record, but it's another one of those, it's another one of those kind of songs that I've written that are so many people, you know, have someone's phone number in their phone that they've lost and they want to call it so bad, you know, sorry, it's becoming really sad. (laughs) I'm really not this. (laughs) (laughs) You did also work a lot with uh, Blake Shelton, I know, um, or had a few cuts with Blake Shelton. And uh, another way of coping with things is Drinking. So Drink On It was, is one of my favorite songs. And uh, I, I think Blake's just such a talented artist, as, as are a lot of these, these folks that you've had a chance to get cuts with. But uh, tell us a little bit about like getting a few of those with Blake, like Drink On It, Turning Me On. Uh, those are just really good songs overall. And would just love to, to hear sure. more from it. Blake's an old friend of mine. I've known Blake for, for years and years. And for whatever reason, because I can't there's so many songs that he's recorded of mine that he didn't even know I wrote. So I think a lot of people think, Oh, like just cuts all Jesse songs. Cause they're buddies or something. But, but truly even on his new record that will be coming out, there's a song on there that he didn't even know I wrote. Cause I don't usually sing the demos. We just have such a connection. I really get what he wants to say and I get his humor. I get where he comes from. Um, he has so much soul and I don't mean just R and B soul. I mean like just soul. Like he is not afraid of a song like mine would be you. And he is not afraid of love songs. He's not afraid of 
party song. He just can do so much. And as a singer myself, I love to write for Blake because he can do anything. We've written everything from a song for Angry Birds that was on the Angry Birds movie. That was a fun thing to get to work with him on just directly. We wrote that just together. And then I have some songs coming out on his new record. Um, it's just been a fun journey kind of getting to ride his career with him kind of in like a passenger side and, uh, sing on, I get to sing on all his, all his records. It's really, I'm just so proud of him too. Like he just keeps, I mean, God's country is one of the greatest things I've heard in so long and he's one of the best. And, and by the way, he's everything you want him to be, you know, everything you think like will be, he is, he's really down home guy and takes care of his people and a good friend. So I love Blake. He definitely <laughs> seems like that. We're, we're big team Blakers as well. There was uh, I mean, he's just, you see him on the voice and I think he even reached like a new audience in that yeah. way too. Like you see, like, I think it was Luke Bryan. He's on American Idol. They just can reach so much, such a broader audience and become more personable that way, which is really cool that those shows are able to do it. But uh, one question, did, did you know Blake when he had long hair Blake or was it short hair yes. Blake when you met him? I knew long hair Blake with the hat. And I, I've kind of, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. We, we joke around a lot about that stuff too. And he's so, he can laugh at himself, you know, and people, he's just so relatable. I think that's why he's done so, been so successful. And we went on the voice, everyone got to see kind of what we already knew who Blake was. He's not faking any of it. That's just who he is. Definitely. And then I want to get into another one of your cuts that is honestly probably one of my favorite of yours from Travis Denning, because I'm I'm a huge Travis Denning fan. David Ashley Parker from Powder Springs. I mean, especially what he come out like two or three years ago. And like, I mean, if you're right around like the 20s age and everything, you had the fake ID, it's like, it's so relatable and just a great song. And I just want to know how you guys put that. It's just put and wrote so perfectly that like, I'm just mind. <laughs> Thank you so it. much. I'm a huge Travis fan. I've been stalking Travis since before we had a publishing deal or record deal. I literally <laughs> saw him on some like random local Nashville, like not even on cable channel. It was bizarre. I just heard his voice and fell in love with him and started finding, like calling my publisher, like find this guy, Travis Denning. I'm obsessed. So I found him, we started writing together and Ashley David Parker, or because the original fake idea was Ashley David Parker. I had in my mind, I had Matthew McConaughey dazed and confused in my mind that's the character but we just had so much fun writing that mm. song i mean it was a blast it was easy an easy write and uh, i was really excited to be a part of his career have his first single yeah because i mean that song is just so creative and so relatable that you can't help but not love it it was almost like one of those where it's just like how is that not out there yet like it just and then you like you just hear it. it's just so good and <laughs> we've all been through that or most of us I would say have all been yes. through that at some point I don't want to speak for everyone but a good portion of the college crews you you wrote one with uh Thomas Rhett when you look like that or four Thomas Rhett excuse me love that song I think Thomas is a unbelievable again just like Blake Shelton one of those just stand-up guys where he's just family first and kind of everything just 
revolves around like the things that are high priority in life, which is how it should be. So I'd love to hear just about like working with Thomas and in, in that song itself. Yeah, that's a, a team of writers that I write with a lot. Uh, Matt Dragstrom and David Lee Murphy. I'm a big, big fan of David Lee Murphy. And I've been writing with him for probably 15 years now. But the three of us, when we get together, we call ourselves the Honky Tonk Dream Team because... We wrote that song and then we've written a handful of other ones that are really cool in the same kind of vein. And it's, it's a a kind of a character that me and DL kind of go into. It's funny. Like when we write that trio writes, there is like a energy and like characters that we tend to write from. But, um, I was just really excited. I am not really in the Thomas Rhett camp. Um, I write a lot with his dad, Rhett Aikens. But um, for me to get a Thomas Rhett cut was kind of out of the blue. And I was really excited to go sing on the record. Um, and I did all the harmony parts that I'd done on the original demo. So that was really cool. Definitely. And like, I mean, you've just worked with crazy amount of artists through all your cuts. I wanted to talk about the, the Eric Pasley song, a song about a girl, because he's one of those artists that I feel like gets overlooked big time. He's just such a talent. And like, I love that song too. It just like, it really hits. And uh, I don't know. I just wanted to hear more about it from you. Yeah. That's um, kind of the era of after mine would be you and I drive your truck and the climb. I started feeling like everybody thinks I'm just a head case, like sad, sad girl. Like, you know, it was funny because I, yes, I write a lot of those kind of songs, but people that know me know, like, I love guy songs. I love cheating songs. I love drinking songs. I love tailgate songs, you know? And so I think I was in that headspace back then when we wrote that songs around the same time I wrote the way I talk from Morgan Wallen and that era of me just kind of going, Hey, I can write fun songs too. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I can't even remember like what, where we, where our heads were when we wrote song about a girl, but as you know, and you said, you know, Eric's power, his energy, like he just starts playing guitar and you're just holding on for dear life. Cause everything he sings sounds like a hit. And, uh, it was really, that was a fun time of songwriting for me. I think I was energized having come off some success and, having, like I said, kind of some dark stuff. It was fun for me to just get wild and just write other stuff. Let your hair down a little bit. Yes. <laughs> and I am I am kind of curious to take it a step back, like how you first like originally got into music growing up and everything. Sure. I didn't come from a musical family. Nobody in my world really played music, but everyone loved me. I was lover of all kinds of music. So I had music around me and now having kids like at this age, like having an eight year old, it's weird for me to think about how truly obsessed I was with music for that young of age. It wasn't like, Oh, that's fun. Like let's listen to, you know, Willie Nelson. It was like, I was devouring Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, all the old country stuff. I was putting posters up on my wall of like Keith Whitley. I mean, like that's not normal for an eight year old little girl. Like I was obsessed 
I wasn't playing with dolls. I was literally learning Hank Williams Jr.'s whole catalog. So I just was that weirdo. I just, I, I was an only child. I kind of grew up in bars because my, my parents were divorced. And so I had kind of a different kind of childhood and I grew up fast and it just, you know, country music then led to blues. I devoured all the blues, R&B, I mean, bluegrass. I just really love music, all music. So it kind of was the driving force in my life. It was my escape. I really became a singer first. I wanted to play bass, but uh, we couldn't afford an electric bass. So my dad got me a guitar. So I kind of piddled around with a guitar and a piano. Um, there's my original first piano and uh, that I learned to play on. And I just, I just, by the time I was 13, 14, 15, I was playing in bands, singing harmony with people, or I never really loved to be the front singer because I, and you can see as a songwriter, like I like to be in the outside of the spotlight, like just outside, but it just was one of those things in my life that was consistent. And when everything else was crazy, music was always there. And I just feel blessed being from a small town in West Tennessee that like, no one like has, this has never happened to anybody else I knew, you know? So it's really cool that um, music's kind of saved my life and kept me running and given me a job where I don't have to work at a car auction. Or Subway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's always greener pastures, right? Exactly. To each their own. Uh, no, exactly. that's really cool to hear like the backstory on that though. Cause it's everyone has like their own, like what got them into it or, or the, the stories. And it, a lot of times it either resonates in like how they're songwriter or how they're performing or things of that nature. And I think it's really cool, especially now that you are doing a lot more like your own stuff to like see, it's kind of like the differences of like when you're writing for somebody else versus when you're writing for, for you, I bet it's almost just like a, it's a little bit different for like a writing session when you go into it, or at least I assume is that, is that kind of like the, what you would do? A hundred percent different. I mean, a hundred every day I'm trying to put the words in the mouths of an artist. Like I'm trying to either help a songwriter. Like I write with a lot of artists, so I'm sitting there helping them talk about their first love or figure out their, you know, what, what kind of beer they're drinking. You know, I don't ever get to talk about what kind of beer I would drink or what mm-hmm. kind of, you know, what color truck I drove or right. what, you know, it's like I got to be heavy handed on the color of the song. So I could do, I could say anything I wanted. I could talk about anything I wanted. I got nothing to lose because I don't consider myself an artist. That's this is my daily the only way I'm making money is by being an artist. So for me, it's fun because like, I don't have a record label to answer to. Mm-hmm. And so it's liberating because you can just, right. you know, that's why there's, I really took some risks on the record. <laughs> you know, with the song like, I should probably go now. That's about cheating or, you know, how I'm going out. The last song of the record or country music made me do it. The Cater County Red starts out with um, talking about a rebel flag. I mean, you just kind of, I got to do anything I wanted, which was really fun. Definitely. And I'm, I'm sure it's a lot different when you're trying to write for like Blake Shelton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Very different. <laughs> um, I just have, you have a lot more control, but I will say I do. I don't know if I could spend my days every day writing for myself. I don't have enough to say. I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to go like change the world with my 
my music, you know, so it's, it was fun to do and it kind of revamped and refreshed my energy to go write for other people again. Yeah. That's awesome. We, uh, we appreciate you joining us though. It was, it was a lot of fun to talk to you and learn more about Decatur County Red and also just some of your many cuts that you have. Oh yeah. That was incredible just to hear kind of firsthand from all the music that we've been listening to over the years and especially your new album too. It's just hoping for more new music to come from your end. It's, it's awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate y'all reaching out. Y'all are a great interview. Thank you yes. so much. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Hopefully next time we can do this maybe in person. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'll bring a six pack. All right. Yeah. Sounds great. Works for us. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse. You do the same. Take care. All right. That was an awesome interview with Jesse Alexander. We appreciate her so much for coming on. I mean, that was one of my favorite interviews just because, I mean, just talking about all those songs that she wrote as well as her music. I really like, you know, her last album that she came out with and just such a talent. I think that's like the coolest thing all about it is like, she's so talented in and of herself, like just being able to sing. And then like you hear all the songs that she had a part in and you're just like, oh, wow, that's incredible from not only a fan's perspective, like when we, we had the chance to, to interview her. I mean, it was just incredible just to like talk to her about like Lee Bryce, Blake Shelton, like obviously she's good friends with Blake Shelton. Like you never know, like when you are a writer for a song, like how connected to the artist you are. Mm-hmm. And it was funny, like how, well, one, she broke some news that Blake Shelton has a new album coming out. <laughs> let's, let's not forget that. Yeah. But also too, I mean, it's the fact that like she writes these songs and even Blake didn't even know that she was a writer on it until he, he cut it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just really cool to see like, sometimes you just have those vibes, like with those artists, specific artists, like you think like Ray Fulcher with Luke Combs, like you're, yeah. you're friends with them. You, you just write those songs that are just going to be continue to be good but you don't know if they're going to be hits and then yeah. they just end up being like huge cuts. And I think yeah. that's what Jesse just ended up continuing to do. And I mean, she talked about it herself. She was like, it took me a long time to get that 10 years or so to get that. And then once she finally got it, it's just like one after the other, after the other. Yeah. And I mean, I could have talked to her for like three more hours at least, but one time I saw her at a writer's round and she talked about like writing for Blake and she's like, I just know what he likes. So like I can tweak a couple words, you know, in a, in a melody or something. And it goes from being someone else's song to like just totally a Blake song. Yeah. And I mean, obviously that's cool that she knows Blake well enough to do that, but yeah, just such a talent. Oh, I thought it was interesting too, though, how she was like, yeah, I know when I'm writing for somebody else versus I know when I'm writing for me. Like we've talked to other songwriters and artists that have said, uh, I don't know who I'm writing for sometimes. I just know that this is the, the, the song that I want to write that day. Mm -hmm. She like clearly stated, she's like, yeah, no, I know when I'm writing for myself versus when I know when I'm writing for somebody else. Um, it, it may not be that particular person, but mm. it's not going to be for me. And I thought that was really cool because like, you hear her music and it's very personable. It's very like surreal to herself. And uh, yeah. and I think as we talked about, it's very relatable to, to very, com- like as in any song, but like her uh, many songs, I should say not any, but many. Um, and yeah, she's just very talented. I mean, like uh, it, it's a, 
it's a shame it took that long to get her music out there. But at the same time, it's almost like a blessing in disguise because she now has so much good music out there where it like the years don't matter. It's like, she just grinded for so long that it's just unreal that she has what she has out there. And I mean, I'm excited for more songs to come out, especially from her, let alone like whatever she's writing for other artists out there, like this Blake Shelton album that she teased. And I can't get my mind over it. I mean, like I'm pumped for Blake <laughs> Shelton's album. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I agree. And then like, I mean, we didn't even get to like her latest number one because she wrote the Scotty McQuarrie song in between and there wasn't enough time. So hopefully we'll be able to get her on again. Absolutely. Um, hopefully when all this Corona stops so we can have her in person. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, I think we already like talked about a six pack happening. So like we might just have to turn that six into a 12 pack and just see what goes on from there. But that'll be a good interview if we can get her back on, but uh, she's unbelievably talented. So really excited for her music and uh, just, I mean, her story in general, like how she got to where she was, like, that's just so awesome to like see and just goes to show like perseverance is just so key in this, in this world that like, you, you can't do it without perseverance. Yeah. And like, so her husband's also a writer too. And like, you like how she slipped in the whiskey lullaby. Like I was yep. like, I, cause I knew her husband was a writer as well, but I didn't know he wrote that. And I was just like, Oh, yep. so you guys are both next level talent. Like, Oh yeah. It's a power. It's a power duo. I mean, it's, it was like, when she said that I was like, okay, I know Randall. And then you like hear the different songs that he did too. And you're just like, well, shit, like we just do a dual interview like hell like we would love to have both of you on (laughs) yeah like that would be awesome like a power couple right there I mean that's like what you that's like Ryan and Marin level right there I mean that's like what you love to see because they're both unbelievable songwriters and they're good singers and they love themselves so it's really cool to to see that and I mean hell we, we had a really good time with her so it was awesome Definitely. There's some good new music that came out last week though. Absolutely, man. Yeah. We had some good music. Uh, it was, it was a lighter week. I'm not going to lie. I mean, we've, we've been kind of spoiled if you could say that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, like we've had a numerous number of artists like come out with songs these last couple of weeks and now it's been a little bit lighter, but still really good. And I think if anything, it almost exemplifies like what was put out this week. Cassidy Pope, we didn't even really get to speak too much of her last week or a couple of weeks ago when she released two of her songs. Uh, but she just released two more songs this past week, which was a uh, hoodie, which to be honest with you, I thought it was a jam. I thought it was really good because you think about all the clothes that you leave in your ex's place or things of that nature, like where it's just like, Oh yeah, I'm going to keep wearing this regardless of like, I guess it doesn't really work for guys too much. Cause like, I, I couldn't fit into to women's <laughs> clothes. But if you think about like guys leaving their like sweatshirts or t-shirts or shorts at like their, their girl's place after they break up, like you don't have a feeling for them of like intensity or love or anything like that. But like, you may still like have that emotional feeling towards them. And I feel like that was just totally transcribed in that, song itself. And I thought that was really good. I mean, she did an incredible job and I think Cassie Bo was really talented. I, th- I There was what, two years ago, Troy, I sent you a message when I was down in Tortuga and I saw Cassidy live and I was like, this girl's amazing. Like she's going to be so good. And not only now, but like in a year or two, like when people actually start realizing her more. So uh, that was really good uh, hoodie. And then she had another song called Counting on the Weather and it's leading up to her album that's going to be dropping on August 7th. 
which I cannot wait for. So really good props to her. I cannot wait for more of her music to come out. And she's just an incredible talent. I mean, it's just, it's really good to see that. And I love her music. Uh, Save Me by Lanco. Uh, I'm a big Lanco fan. Um, I remember when we were at Windy City Smokeout and Brandon came out on a rubber duck and he was like crowd surfing. And I remember being at another concert like earlier in the year where he did the same thing. Uh, And then two years earlier, I saw him down in Fort Lauderdale Beach as well. And he was brought out a snare drum and played in the middle of the beach. I mean, Brandon Lancaster is just an unbelievable talent. And then this whole band that he's a part of, Lanco, is just so good. Uh, And I've been a big fan of them for a long time. And uh, to see this new song come out with, I mean, a ton of people. I mean, Brandon himself, Chandler Baldwin, Trip Howell, Andrew DeRoberts, and I think it was uh, Andrew Albert, which those are great names all in and of themselves. Some of them are a part of Lanco and then others are not associated with the band, but they're just really good and talented artists or songwriters in their own right. But I'm a big fan of Lanco and I thought that was a really good song. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great song and it's always good to get music from Lanco. I think they've kind of been releasing songs every few months. Um, mm-hmm. They're gearing they up like for an album. Out. Yeah, I think they have like three out now. So I would think that they're going to have an album coming out probably towards yeah. the end of the year. Even though sometimes they don't tell you, I feel like there's a lot of times where you can just kind of read between the lines mm-hmm. and you can just say, all right, an album's coming out. But I mean, they're yeah. so talented. They're, they're so good. I mean, and they're unique too, right? It's not like the same <laughs> melodies and, and hit lines that you hear like in a Blake Shelton song or like a Keith Urban song, which I'm going to talk about in a second, but that was really good. So Lane goes awesome. Keith Urban dropped another song on Friday called Superman. And I thought it was really good. Uh, I love Keith Urban. I think he's just an incredible talent. Uh, I could list off the number of writers that were on this, but I think there was like seven or eight different writers on this song in and of itself. So I'll save you, save you the time. But if you haven't listened to it already, go, go listen to it. Um, Keith is just, I mean, I think Polaroid was his last song before this that he came out with. And then he came out with this one. Um, the, the dude doesn't drop bad songs. I, I just don't think it's in his blood. Um, I've seen him live a couple of times now and I could hear that. I close my eyes and I hear this song performing live. I hear Polaroid and I close my eyes and I hear that song performing live. It's like he does it to the point where he knows it's going to be entertaining, but at the same time, it tells a great message. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, he's just, he's so good. And he's an unbelievable guitar player. Like you, 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 if you've ever seen him live or ever, hopefully I've had the chance to hear him probably strumming for four or five minutes on like a normal song that you normally like hear him play. And then he's just strumming, like just having a good time, like almost like a Dave Matthews concert. It's really cool. <laughs> uh, minus, minus all the extracurriculars there, but it's uh, still a fun time. Uh, one of my favorite bands, actually, another one, A Thousand Horses, uh, released a few songs this past week. Uh, a Song to Remember is one that we had on our playlist. Um, there's a few more that they they came out with with that. Um, but this one in particular, I thought was really good. I, actually, they came out with a few songs a couple weeks back. So they, I think they're also gearing up for an album. Um, mm-hmm. But Brad Warren, Brett Warren uh, Brothers, and then Christopher Stevens and Michael Hobby, 
they all came together for this song. And I thought it was unbelievable. I mean, I've, I've listened to a thousand horses now since I was a junior in high school. Um, so to be able to hear where they're at now versus where I was then, um, or where they were then, excuse me, uh, was just incredible to hear and see. Uh, I, I love their music and I think they have almost like a muscadine bloodline like type feel where it's just like very surreal and like they have like a lot of the instrumentals, but their singing is just so good. So I, I yeah. love their music and Michael Hobby is a special talent. I really like his voice. And I mean, he just sings in so many different ways too. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but very, very good singer. And then the last few, I'll just, I'll just ran, uh, run through these quick. Cause I know we're, uh, we're getting a little long here, but, uh, the chicks dropped their final album, uh, AKA the Dixie chicks. Now the called the chicks, they dropped their album. Um, I'm not going to say I'm not a fan, but it's just like one, I am a fan, but I'm not, not a fan type of thing. Uh, I think it's good music. It's just not some of the music that I would typically listen to. But, uh, if you're into that, I mean, it's, it's really good. Uh, especially to hear from them. I mean, they've been gone since, 2006, 2004, somewhere, somewhere in there. And then now that they are able to actually get a full length album out, uh, it's really good for them. And I'm glad that they've came back into the music world, especially for those that were big fans back in the day. Uh, so, so props to them. Uh, and then Tucker Bethard, our guy, uh, got a shout out Iowa. We can't, can't ever leave that around. Um, they've gone through a lot. I think his daughter just was, I think she turned two years old. Yeah, he just uh, announced guy. that he had a kid. Yeah, and she's two. Yeah. So um, it's pretty surreal to think that, especially with nowadays when you think how close-knit everybody is with like the world in and of itself that you can almost, I don't want to say like hide a child, but I mean, it's, it's insane. Like it's, it's pretty cool to see that he was able to kind of him and his wife were able to keep it to themselves. And she's two years old and he has a song called faithful out, which is really good by the way. Like I think Tucker's a special talent that a lot of people don't really know about him. And he wrote this song with uh, Marla Cannon Goodman. Um, I think he's just one of those people that, perhaps didn't get the recognition he needed like early on. And now he's just kind of doing this thing where he's just continuing to produce like good music, but not like on the stage of where it could be like next level. If you, if you know what I mean? So, I mean, I'd love to see him continue to like be like, I, I picture him and like Joey Hyde in almost a similar sense of like, he does really well, but he doesn't do the songwriting. He almost just does more of the performing. So it's mm-hmm. hard to like put him in the, uh, in kind of comparison to, to two others. But I mean, his, his music's really good. And I yeah, feel like I, every time I, he does it. Yeah. And I guess that the kid kind of explains his disappearance in the music world for a little bit. Right. I agree. Um, and how he's kind of been quiet and under the radar and also shout out to Morgan Wallen who had a kid this past week. Um, I didn't know that either. I mean, hell, yeah. the dude was just arrested. What? Like two weeks ago. And then <laughs> as a kid, it's like, well, I guess you got to figure your stuff out rather quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but Hey, we appreciate everybody listening to this week's episode. Um, we'll catch you next week. Okay, guys, take care. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. I just want